0: I think we've probably reached a point in the evolution of the market whereby operational excellence is now an expectation of any GBS organization, whether that's delivered through captive capability or it's delivered through outsourced solutions. Shift in focus is therefore Moving away from matters of that operational excellence, which is almost taken for granted now by the organizations GBS serve, and the focus is coming around to driving real business value.
1: Welcome to the Hackett Group's
0: Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world class
2: performance. Hello and welcome to today's podcast, In versus Outsourcing Decision Making. My name is Martin Gehring. I'm an advisory practice leader and managing director for Advisory Business in Europe. Today, my guests are Jill Stabler, sourcing practice leader transformation Europe, and Herman Washerford, practice leader, global business services in our transformation practice in Europe. Jill, Herman, welcome to the podcast today. How are you doing? Very good, Martijn. Very good.
0: Very well. Go. Thank you, Martijn.
2: So great to have you both on the podcast today. As I announced, we're talking about inverse outsourcing decision-making. Now, it's fair to say that you both work on client engagement and you also work together a fair bit, but I think it's fair to say you are slightly, say, predisposed towards the outsourcing side, Jill and, and Herman. You are probably more familiar with building and optimizing captive shared services. So it'll be interesting to get both your perspective and uh, on, on both sides of the equation here, talking about the value of, of both models. What is important in the decision making process and also what's changed because i think quite a bit has changed from the traditional sourcing model which is more than two decades old uh, towards digitization which is becoming more and more important part of let's well, say captive shared services models and outsourcing so in today's webcast we will discuss the considerations that business function leaders in finance hr procurement it and gbs ...need to make when deciding to in or outsource, I'll be guiding the discussion and get both your perspectives on the matter. Jill, let's start with you and ask you what, from your perspective, are the questions that business function leaders should ask when they decide to in or outsource?
0: Thank you, Martijn. I think I would summarise around some key themes here, focusing on questions of speed, of scale, of sustainability... And increasingly, business value versus operational process excellence. So, in terms of speed, and I'll leave aside for the moment the question of how quickly a given organization is able to stand up captive. There are excellent organizations such as Hacked in the Market that can very well help to do that. It's more a focus on can I deliver digital transformation of the processes that are going to be coming into my captive organization potentially at the pace my company expects. Or do I need to start to think about where a partner could accelerate along that journey, the journey to digital? And that applies whether you are thinking or embarking on the GBS journey for the first time, or whether you've already built, established your own captive capability. You consider the operation relatively mature and you're thinking about how to go to the next level. So, really, questions around speed there, around scale. This one's been around, you know, it's, it's as old as time. Do I have the scale to build a captive organization that will attract talent in the market that I choose to put that captive center into? And am I able to make investments needed to keep pace with the market as my journey evolves? Or am I at risk through a number of factors of falling behind? On sustainability, questions here around how is it that I can build a really resilient solution? that's going to flex to meet my organization's needs as time goes by, in terms of agility to respond to upticks or downshifts in volumes through to continuing to evolve in line with continued technology advancements. We don't see that the pace of digital evolution is going to slow down. And so this is something that organizations need to factor into decision making at all stages of the GBS journey. On business value, you know, I think we've probably reached a point in the evolution of the market whereby operational excellence is now an expectation of any GBS organisation, whether that's delivered through captive capability or it's delivered through outsourced solutions. So, you know, shift in focus is therefore moving away from matters of that operational excellence, which is almost taken for granted now by the organizations GBS serve, and the focus is coming around to driving real business value. And certain GBS organizations simply can't deliver the level of change which is needed to respond to that evolution in customer expectations internally the level of change required to drive business value. You know, business value outcomes, the likes of DSO reductions, producing spend analytics and insights, faster close for better information, applying smart AR analytics around customer behaviours to prioritise where efforts are focused on receivables and so on. So, you know, companies are looking for not just process alone, they're looking to partnerships to help to drive that business value. And lastly, before we hear from Herman, you know, consider the total cost of ownership, look at that five-year journey, and look at what the effectiveness and efficiency proposition is versus the captive proposition. You know, if we turn to take a two-dimensional comparison of labor rates, let's say, in a given location, labor arbitrage location, we might look at a scenario whereby we see that we can hire skills for perhaps more competitive rates as a captive organization without paying a supplier margin. But back to that TCO, what is a provider going to be able to drive for me over five years versus where my own capabilities and strengths are? I'll stop there and, and hand back to you, Thanks, for my time. <laughs>
2: Jill, I think you, you've covered the decision variables uh, you know, v- very comprehensively. I think that leaves a challenge for, for Herman. I, maybe I put it differently to you then. So Jill has talked about the focus on speed, skill, sustainability, increasing business value versus operational excellence. Those are decision variables. And as any company has a different starting point, from your perspective, can you perhaps paint the picture how these decision variables play out in different starting points? Because no organization nowadays starts from a blank piece of paper. Many organizations have built a shared services organization, have a global presence, so if you apply those decision variables, how do they play out in various scenarios? Can you perhaps give some examples of your recent experience about how that would play out in, in different circumstances?
1: Yeah, maybe just some, some thoughts on this. I think it's really important to understand where you're at, you know, make sure that there's clarity in terms of your capabilities, your performance and just to be honest with yourself and the organization, I think that's really important to look yourself and your function in the mirror and, and be get real around it right and then to look at all the options and to to understand what you want to get out of it you know what what is the outcomes we really want to achieve what is what is the priorities from the board strategically what's important for the for the company what's really driving the decision so so those decision drivers around efficiency effectiveness it's important to understand where the real i would say energy is in terms of what to focus on once you get that clarity you know it is it is easier to kind of get to a place where you can make some decisions around this Mm, yeah thank you Going back to
2: the value proposition of BPO, ITOs, a business process outsourcing and IT outsourcing provider. Traditionally, this was very much driven by labor arbitrage and and those providers were doing similar things that companies were doing with the captive organizations. In the last few years, there's a lot of talk about digitization and, and, and technology, both old and new. Jill, can you give a perspective on the provider value proposition, What what's changed in the past few years from that traditional value that they provide through new novel dig, digital technologies? What, what should buyers be looking at when evaluating vendors?
0: Definitely look beyond labor arbitrage. I think that's the most important thing in terms of macro themes. You know, that's where the outsourcing value proposition started off. I myself was one of those really big, sometimes unwieldy, and in hindsight, a little bit sort of clumsy deals that took off in the early 2000s, based around lifting work from a location to a lower cost location, work that was not considered to be core to the overall mission of the organization, the likes of finance and accounting, as an example, the likes of procurement, and, you know, partner with an organization whose core competency is delivery of those those back office processes. You know, so add, you added to that a bit of year on year continuous improvement, driving maybe two, three percent of your lucky cost out. And the initial, you know, industry had a pretty good foundational value proposition. That's what it was all about. You know, fast forward quite some years, the evolution in technology that you're, you're leading into there, Martijn, with your question around digital has generated a real change, you know, versus those earlier commodity type deals towards transformational partnerships, which really lean in and harness supplier digital capabilities into which it's important to note that, you know, the BPOs, the ITOs have invested really heavily. And more than that, changes to delivery models, which build on the lessons learned from those earlier, more clumsy, more clunky deals, which did leave a bitter taste, you know, in certain organizations' mouths. So today's value proposition is a combination of that foundational arbitrage. It's definitely still there. We haven't handed everything over to the robots yet, so it absolutely needs to be considered. But more importantly, a technology-led transformation underpinned by a supporting, committed commercial glide path, which is based on specific, identified initiatives, this is a really important part, rather than simply vague, contractual language, which sets out aspirations but not obligations. And, you know, the art therefore is making sure that those initiatives and the associated timelines are realistic and achievable, as well as linked to the right impact on commercials over the deal terms to set you up for success right from the outset.
2: Yeah, I think over the past decades, both providers and clients have learned a lot about how to professionally manage the relationship and how you get the most value out of it. Herman, in in your opinion, what are the trade-offs between in and outsourcing? can we say that the one model is better or worse than the other?
1: That's such a difficult question, actually, because I think both can add a lot of value, Martijn, in the right circumstances. I do think the best choice really depends upon the situation. And every client, every organization is going to be different and in a different situation. There's sort of four key elements to really understand for you to make the right decision. Number one, risk. You know and the appetite around risk you know different organizations is at different levels when it comes to that the business conditions are going to be different for organizations um, whether it's cost cash you know whatever the pressure is growth you are not going to be on the same place your capability will be different and it's quite unique you know comparing company to company i think joel referred to scale and sustainability and i think uh, Every organisation would di- would have different aspirations for that, and also the desire for transformation speed really has a has a big impact. So, for example, let's look at a couple of examples here. And an organisation, for example, with cost pressure, right, and that may already have some low cost locations where they're operating some of their their activities from they may choose to continue to expand you know some of the existing service centers by themselves and they and they, they might want to tackle that in their own way but on the other hand organizations with really limited offshoring capability uh, but also with a strong desire for improvement might want to use a, a bpo transformation capability just to accelerate that time to value or you you might find companies that, that use BPO to leverage technology. They want to get access to technology to, to again, drive automation and better insight because that, that BPO can much easier spread the risk of that investment across their client portfolios and learn pretty fast, right? But when an organization tried to tackle some of these by themselves, they can potentially fail, you know, and that can expose them.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Herman. And Jill, perhaps the same question. From your perspective, do you agree with, with Herman that there, there are some unique circumstances to, to consider? Or do you believe that the one model or the other is, is better? And in your case, uh, I, I would say, would you make a case that outsourcing is better than a captive model?
0: I'm really happy to agree with Herman on this one, actually. You know, the comments he's just made and going back to some comments he made a little bit earlier In the session and you know I think it can all be summarized as perhaps the most very important question before you even start to peel back the layers and get to some of these more detailed considerations is you have as one of my colleagues long-standing colleagues is fond of saying you have to be able to get there from here so being able to look at yourself honestly in the mirror as an organization diagnose where are you today versus your aspiration what are the skills the capabilities that you need in order to be able to get there is so key to diagnosing whether a captive route an outsourced route or indeed as we very often see a hybrid combination of the two is going to be the best fit to get you to your cost your service and your experience goals mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I, I'm trying to make it black and white, but obviously it's never never so black and white. Most companies have a combined model where they leverage to some degree their captive model to some degree, uh, service partners, and, and some will tilt further than uh, than the other two to to either sides. One other thing, just to probe further on this outsourcing model, because that 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 is the piece which we want to go a bit further in with these new. Technology capabilities that companies want to, to leverage. Do we also see new models that providers propose to, to clients or that clients demand from outsourcing providers? We talked in the past about innovation clauses in, uh, in, in contracts. Do we see new partnerships emerge or new models emerge for, for collaboration? And Jill, I'll put that question to you.
0: Yes, it's becoming quite interesting. You know, absolutely, when we're talking about the outsourced services model, we really spend a lot of time focusing with our clients on how it is that they bring to life those transformation ambitions contractually and also in terms of establishing the right relationship and the right ways to govern that relationship. If we step away from the conventional outsourced model for a moment, a new breed of service partnership is emerging. I would say we cover this type of work increasingly but still infrequently meaning that it is emerging with our clients whereby those who maybe have a pretty mature captive organization they've already absolutely nailed the operational process excellence side of things so they're not interested in establishing an outsourced service delivery contract but they still want to tap in to the digital skill set that the bpos the itos can bring some of the skills, some of the manpower that they may not have invested in building up inside of their own organization. They may feel they can't make that investment quick enough, or they may have no intention on making that investment. So BPOs, ITOs are starting to propose what I'm sort of calling assisted transformation models at this point in time, whereby the ownership of the service remains captive, but the scenario is focused around defining transformation initiatives, success criteria, commercial effectiveness and experience outcomes, and creating the right commercial model together with an outsourcing partner to incentivize their commitment to and delivery of transformational outcomes which relate to a client's captive center. So that's a new iteration of service partnership that we are starting to see image.
2: Mm-hmm. And we talk about here improving performance and getting more out of the partnership and we, we've talked about the, the decision variables to to make the trade-off between captive versus outsourced are there other factors to consider than the ones that we've talked about so far so Herman perhaps you want to take that question what what haven't we talked about so far when you consider this decision
1: yeah so I think we we've covered a lot I think obviously risk is key as well I, I do want to emphasize that. You know, operational and financial risk really needs to be considered. An impact on broader working capital, as an example, I think Joe mentioned some of that. Um, but there, there's a there's a couple of other factors I always ask clients during some of the discussions with them to understand whether or not it could have an impact. So something like IP or proprietary knowledge. You know, some captive models could potentially help you retain that control a little bit better compared to an outsource arrangement. Flexibility and control is another one that organisations can feel like an internal programme gives you potentially a little bit more flexibility and control over projects that I want to drive. And I would say also things like political. There may be less internal resistance to globalise a process uh, through a captive versus BPO. So there's a a number of things out there that I can think about right now. I do think at the end of the day, right, there's, there's a lot to consider here, and it's, it's really important to analyze all the options before making big decisions, and also critical to understand key strategic needs, like we've emphasized earlier, um, as you go and as you start uh, analyzing what the key drivers are for the decision. I think that's important.
2: Mm-hmm. And Jill, would you add any of those, any other factors to the list that, uh, that Herman just mentioned?
0: No Martine. You know, I think we've been through a pretty comprehensive discussion today. You know, what I would really encourage listeners to focus on in closing is really, you know, as Herman and I have both alluded to, making sure that you honestly assess your starting point and that you consider the options available to you through that lens.
2: Yeah, I agree. And for everybody listening, of course, we're having this discussion here amongst ourselves between Hackett Associates, but we do want to give you an objective perspective about the decision variables to go through. I can back up that question as well, where we talked about the trade off of the, the choice between in versus outsourcing. Is the one or the other model better? We know from our research that both work. So if we look at typical drivers for transnational performance like uh, year-on-year cost improvement or customer satisfaction and other factors, both captive and outsourced arrangements will, will get you there. And there is, in terms of the outcomes, no difference. What does matter, though, is the best practices that you apply in managing either your third-party arrangement, so, so vendor management, Or if you have a wholly owned captive model, your own capability to manage service delivery, so service management to to get there. So to us, the crux is often go through this process, make the decisions as, as we've actually outlined them here, I think pretty comprehensively. In the end, what you need to do to make a success of Either model or a combination of both is manage that capability either through vendor management of the provider and creating a trusted relationship, or in the case if you have a captive model, build your own service management capabilities. That's what makes the difference between success or not getting the results that you that you need from the uh, from the arrangement. Jill Herman, I thank you both for your perspectives and, and laying out the decision variables from from both your experience. Thank you very much for your time today, and thank you all for listening. Have a great day.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehacketgroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode or send us an email at podcast at thehacketgroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackettgroup.com.